welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. We want to open up the Bibles at two different places here. We are concluding a three-week sermon series on heaven, and we're going to be looking at the passage here about what will heaven be like. We're going to be answering that question, and the Bible gives us the exact answer. It actually starts in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to be at the very front of our Bible in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. And then we're going to flip all the way over to the back of our Bibles in Revelation chapter 21. So those are our two scripture passages we're going to be in. Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the tree of life because that was at the very beginning there in the Garden of Eden. And then it, uh, God took it away. But then it reappears in Revelation chapter 21. And we do not see it again here until the very end of our Bibles. And heaven is something that we do need to study for several reasons. And uh, there's several misconceptions about heaven. And a lot of times, uh, we, and because of popular culture and popular media, uh, we get this idea that we are going to be uh, uh, floating around in the clouds uh, uh, looking down upon uh, people on earth, just begging and hoping they're going to make the right decision. You might be playing a harp, and you just have this idea of um, just uh, some type of angelic being uh, floating in the sky. But that's, um, that's not very uh, entirely true at all. And we're going to see that heaven is a real place. We will have real bodies, glorified bodies, and we will be there in the presence with the Lord. We will be with Jesus. Another misconception about heaven, and I have to admit, I actually read this book. About 12 years ago, a book came out, and it was about, about a little boy who went to heaven and came back. It's a little yellow book called Heaven is for Real. Many of you probably remember that. There was a series of these uh, books that all came out at once where these people died for like 15 minutes, and they went to heaven, and they saw and spoke to the Lord and different people, and then they came back to earth. And several of the folks who wrote those books admitted they were fake. But uh, this book, Heaven is for Real, talks about a little boy who went to heaven, and then he came back, came back to life. That's, again, we don't want to get our beliefs on heaven based on those types of books whatsoever, because... Uh, it's just not true is what they have. And I, I don't believe it, and probably most of you don't believe it either. Uh, God doesn't bring us up to heaven um, and show us some things and then send us back to earth to publish books on it and make money. That's just not what the Lord does. I will say this, Paul got caught up in the book of 2 Corinthians 12, chapter 2. He says he was called up to the third heaven. But he was there with the Lord, and the Lord was strengthening and encouraging him. And he didn't come back to earth to reveal some new information or to make money on that experience. He said, what do you mean the third heaven? I believe he was in the presence of God. And what he means by third heaven, the first heaven, we would say, is that would be our atmosphere. That would be the clouds here on earth. The second heaven would be the solar system, the stars way out there, the Milky Way we're in, and the different planets, the sun, that's the heavens out there. And then the third heaven would be in the presence of God. But that experience that Paul had was to actually strengthen him and to reveal to him that what he is doing is true and accurate. 
And then another misconception about heaven is that we will just live forever without this body. And we will just be this spirit floating around almost like a ghost. And we just float around and scare people or encourage I don't know what we do, but it's this bodiless image. And again, that's not, that's not heaven either. You say, Pastor, what about ghosts? I would, I would say uh, if ghosts are, are real, they would not be from the Lord. Uh, that's something that God, God does not send ghosts to speak to us. Uh, very likely that could be through the devil and through demonic, but not from the Lord. We never see ghosts going around speaking to people. Even when Jesus came back with His resurrected body, he, uh, they were startled by Him and He looked at them and says, Am I a ghost? Come touch me. Look at my hands. And by the way, He showed Thomas, doubting Thomas, His scars. The scar is the his scar is the only thing, the only earthly thing that will be into heaven. So we know in the resurrected body, Jesus had the scars in his hand, the scars on his feet. They will go into heaven, and when we see Jesus, we will see those scars that he was nailed to a cross, so we could also go to heaven. So Jesus confirms to us that. These uh, bodiless spirits floating around, that's, that's not of the Lord. Um, that would, I would say, is from the devil. And not only that, the fourth idea of misconception about heaven is that it's just going to be boring. And there's just, all we're going to do is play a harp and, and sing praise uh, songs. And again, that's not biblical at all. Uh, the Bible teaches us that heaven will exceed all of our expectations. We can't even imagine. And one of the reasons we can't imagine heaven is because we look at through the lens of this world, which is a fallen, sinful world, and we look at the world through the lens of sin. We see sinful, broken humanity. We see problems all around us. Well, heaven has no problems. Now, I'm about to show you all that in Scripture. When the new heaven shows up in Revelation chapter 21, the devil has already been thrown into the lake of fire. There is no sin. There's no corruption. Heaven is the restoration of the Garden of Eden that we're about to see here in Genesis chapter, chapter 2 and 3. Okay, open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis. This is, in many ways, um, the beginning of the end. It gives us a picture of where we're going. So you're in Genesis chapter 2. I want to look at verses 8 and 9. This here is the Garden of Eden. This is a perfect place. The Garden of Eden had no sin. Adam and Eve walked, talked, and met with God. They spoke directly to Him. And every need they had was met. They, they had, God placed them in a garden with one rule. They could do anything they wanted in the garden. But in the middle of the garden, there was, uh, there was, he's going to name two different types of trees. We're going to see one of them, the tree of life. But then there was a, and the tree of life. If you eat from the tree of life, you, are, you will live forever. So when someone gets saved, when you trust as Jesus is your Savior, you are eating from the tree of life. Jesus Christ gives you eternal life. So we, we, we physically cannot find this tree, because I'm about to show you here in Genesis chapter 3, that is being guarded right now. But there was a second tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if Adam and Eve would eat from this tree, the Bible says their eyes would be opened and they would know good and evil. 
At this time, they did not know what good and evil was. All they knew was good. Everything around them was the goodness of God. But, but if they ate from this one tree, their eyes would be open, and the Bible says they will die. So we're in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. It says, The Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there He placed the man He had formed. So this is the Garden of Eden. It's in the east. The Lord God calls to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for, for, for food. And look at this. Including, so of all the trees, there's two special trees. Of all the trees, they have the tree, including the tree of life, in the middle of the garden. As well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's it. There's lots of trees that have lots of fruit, good to eat. And there's also these two additional trees. One's the tree of life, and one's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, if you, we're not, we'll, I want you to skip over in your Bibles now, over to Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. What happened in those verses we just skipped over was Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says their uh, eyes were opened, and they knew that they were naked right away. They realized they were, something was wrong. Something was different about them. And then God uh, punished them throughout chapter 3. He cursed the serpent. That was the devil, who the ancient serpent, the Bible says, who tempted him. But then all of a sudden, uh, actually start in verse 20. You're in 320 in your Bible. Look at what happened. So, uh, Adam's going to have to work really hard, the Bible says. Eve's going to have to give a painful childbirth to children. And then the Bible says that Adam will return to dust, meaning he will die. God did not originally create Adam and Eve to die. Then in verse 20 it says, The man named his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife. And he clothed them. That was the very first sacrifice in the Bible right there. God actually killed the first animal to provide clothing for Adam and Eve. Verse 22, look what happens. So the Lord is fully aware that the, this couple, our very first couple on earth, they have sinned against the Lord. But there's still a problem. And that problem is the tree of life. Because right now they are in a sinful state. And if they were to run over and eat from that tree of life, they live forever in a sinful state. So look what God does. The Lord God says, Since the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. What does that Bible verse mean? One of us. That's a reference to the Trinity. Before Adam and Eve sinned, they did not know what was evil. They did not comprehend all they knew to do was to just spend time in the garden with the Lord and eat from tree. And the only thing you're not supposed to do is just don't eat from this one tree over here. Just do anything else, just don't eat from that tree. But they had never disobeyed at this point. So they did not know good and evil. All they knew was good at this point. But now their eyes are opened. And it goes on to say, so, they, he must not reach out and take from the tree of life, 
eat it, and live forever. God quickly realized we have to address this situation. Adam and Eve can't do this because they will live forever in a sinful, fallen state. Do you know, you might ask, why would not just God keep Adam and Eve in this perfect, sinful state? Why would He have to allow them to sin, then send His Son into the world to die for their sins, and then have people trust His Son, who is essentially the tree of life, who is the tree of life, to be saved? Why would He do that? And the answer to that question is because it is greater for God's glory for Him to redeem mankind the redemption plan of His Son Jesus dying on a cross to redeem fallen sinful man is, brings God greater glory than to just create perfect people who can never do anything wrong. The running theme throughout the entire Bible is actually redemption. That is the key word we see from Genesis to Revelation. That Actually, when you read this book, you're reading just a redemption plan. A redemption of mankind. Actually, the redemption plan that just happened here in Garden of Eden. And we're about to see what happens here at the very end in a minute in Revelation 21. So, God realizes we've got a problem. They can't eat from this tree. So in verse 23, So the Lord God sent him away from the garden. Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden. They were pushed out of the garden. And they were sent to work the ground from which he was taken. So he was taken from dust, so now he's going to go work the ground. He drove the man out and stationed the cherubim, that is a heavenly creature angel, and the flaming, whirling sword east of the Garden of Eden to guard the way of the tree of life. So that was it. This right now, as we speak, and we're in this sanctuary, somewhere, we don't know where, there is a tree of life, and there is a, it's in the east, and there is an Cherubim, a heavenly creature with a flaming sword guarding this tree. You say, why? Where, where is this? We do not know. Well, but all we know about this tree is this is the last mention of it until Revelation, until it comes back. So with that being said, now flip over your Bible and we're going to see this tree make a comeback. Revelation chapter 21. This tree reappears in heaven. In the new heaven. In the new earth. That's coming. What happens right here? Actually, I want to read. Before we read verse 20, chapter 21, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 20. Because something very significant had to happen before chapter 21. You're in Revelation in your Bibles. Chapter 20, verse 10. This here is the end of all evil. In Revelation 20, 10. And the Bible tells us here, the devil, so this is, God is wrapping up. This is after the second coming. This here we are preparing for the new Jerusalem coming down. And it says here, the devil, who, de- who deceived them. You know, that, who deceived them. What is he talking about? Who deceived them? He's actually talking about what happened in the Garden of Eden. That's, they're remembering 
what He did all the way back with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast, the beast is the Antichrist. He does not show up until the seven-year tribulation. So the Antichrist, he's not here right now. He shows up at the tribulation. Unless the tribulation just began, he's, he's not here. And the false prophet. The false prophet is the third person of the evil trinity. And he, is, he, they, he performs miracles uh, pointing people to the Antichrist. He's also the one that requires people to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. That's who that is, the false prophet. So the devil, the beast, that's the Antichrist, and the false prophet, it says, that they are thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, and they will be tormented day and night forever. That is it. This is the lake of fire. This place was actually created it had to be created by the Lord because the Lord, or because the devil deceived everyone and he led a rebellion against the Lord. So the Lord created this lake of fire and sulfur for the devil. Folks, that is actually hell. When you and I, when we use the word hell, we need to understand what we're talking about. It's a serious word in a very serious place. When we talk about hell, we are talking about the lake of fire and sulfur that was created for the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Hell was not originally created for you and I. God doesn't want people to go to hell. He wants people to eat from the tree of life and to live forever with Him in, in heaven that we're about to see in the next chapter. So, when we casually talk about hell, this is such a serious place that the devil had to be thrown in there by the Lord even before the new heaven, our final heaven that we're about to see here even appears. So there's utterly no corruption. Before we read this passage here in Revelation chapter 21, I want to recap of what happens when we die. Because I want you from this three-week series to fully understand when someone dies, what will be happening to them. Number one, when you die, you immediately go into the presence of God. Immediately, in heaven. Not in a holding place. You're not in a uh, purgatory. You're not doing soul sleep. You go into the presence of God. Now, that is what we would call, and what Paul called in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, the third heaven. The presence of God in heaven. That is where God is at right now. That is our current heaven. But that is not the final heaven. Because even right now, the final heaven, has not, it does not show up until Revelation 21. So even God hasn't even created our final home right now. The ultimate final home. There is a current heaven where God lives, and that is where we go when we die. Now, when we do this, we are with the Lord, but we have not received our final glorified, resurrected body because the second coming has not occurred yet. We are with the Lord, and we're waiting the second coming of Christ. The second thing that happens is when Jesus Christ comes back immediately 
we receive our glorified heavenly bodies. This is the, our final body that we will live in to be with the Lord forever. It is, the Bible says that body is like Christ. It's a physical body. It's a body that we identify with the Lord, what He did in His sacrifice on the cross. And then thirdly, after the devil is thrown into the lake of fire, which we just saw here in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, at that point, then, our final eternal heaven, what the Bible calls the new Jerusalem, will appear and it actually comes down. And that is our home forever with the Lord, with no evil, no possibility of evil. And the Bible says in that state, we will have our glorified, resurrected bodies. We will be there with Jesus. Jesus, the only thing we'll see is we'll see His scars on His hand. And we, we will not have any memory of uh, bad things that occurred on earth. And this is what we're about to say. Okay, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the season was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. There it is, right there. That is our heavenly home. And look at this, verse 2. It says it's coming down, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. John is having this vision and all of a sudden, he sees it's like a bride walking down the aisle. Here comes your home. You have been waiting for this all these centuries and years. And now, the devil is gone. There's no evil. Here is the Lord's final home for His people. And then in verse 5, it says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. This is the, the Lord. Look. God's dwelling is with humanity. That means God wants to live with, with people, with us. We were created for Him. Our purpose was created. We were created to worship the Lord, and we were also created, we see that we're going to be redeemed by the Lord. God is in the saving business. If you know of someone, the one thing we know about them is they need to be saved. There is only one thing we can't do in heaven, and that is to lead people to Jesus. There are no lost people. You cannot practice evangelism in heaven because everyone there is saved. When we, when we read and we, we see what the Bible says about heaven, this helps refocus our purpose to the absolute importance of just sharing the gospel and the good news of all the lost people around us. The devil, remember what he was described in Revelation chapter 20. The devil who deceived them. That is all the devil does. It's deception. Things that you think are important are not whatsoever important on the scale of eternity. Folks, this is what's important. We study and we preach and we learn about heaven because it points to God's redemptive plan through Jesus because if you want to go to heaven, only Jesus is the way to get there. He's the tree of life that offers this. And look what it says here. Verse, I'm in verse 3. We're going to read. 
here, uh, we're going to read through uh, eight verses and we're going to skip down and look at some other verses. I'm in verse 3, 21-3. And He will live with them. They will be His peoples. And God Himself will wipe away every tear. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. It means everything has changed. There's no more sadness, no more crying, no more pain, no more death. It's all gone. That world we knew of, the current world we're aware of, it has passed away. Then the one seated on the throne says, look, I'm making everything new. He also said, right, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God calls himself. He says, I'm done. I've done all the work I need to do. I'm the Alpha. That's the first letter of the Greek alphabet. I'm the Omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. From beginning to end, I have completed everything that I said I needed to do. And he even says, I'm the one who's faithful and true. You wanted me to do this, and I did it. I have saved people for myself. And I will freely give to those who are thirsty from the spring of the water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. The one who conquers, that means we conquer sin. How do you conquer sin? Only through Jesus Christ can you conquer sin. God's telling a story here. says, I will be your God. You will be my people. And look at what he says in verse 8 here. But he says, there's a lot of these people will not be it. But the cowards, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idulterers, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Meaning, that's the place there that the devil, the beast, and the false prophet currently are. He's saying these people who are liars, who are faithless, who, who just do not believe. Now, notice that word faithless is used in verse, in verse 8. Faithless is just people who refuse to believe the truth. God will present with them the gospel. They know they need to turn to the Lord. They know they need to be saved. And for whatever reason... Because they are totally faithless people. They would rather trust in themselves than the Lord. And the Bible says, you will be thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur because you have no faith in Christ. Now skip down here to verse 21. We're about to see about the tree of life. These next few verses here, he gives a lot of dimensions about what this new heaven is going to be like. It's actually a cube. It's 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles. You can read this at home this afternoon. And it has a lot of different types of stones. It has 12 gates, three on each side. And the gates have no doors. And you can go and go in and out as you please, freely. And um, the foundation is, is built upon different types of, of uh, minerals. Different types of rubies. It gives all those dimensions in that. It's a magnificent sight. This uh, cube of heaven. So, and apparently you have the ability to just go up and down. It's not one where you need an elevator to go to the very top. So, that is what heaven looks like. And then pick up in verse 21. It says, the twelve gates are twelve pearls. Each individual gate 
was made of a single pearl. So the, the description is one we've never seen before. We can't even comprehend it. Look at this. The main street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. So when you drive down Main Street, and that's what's called Main Street there in heaven, it's pure gold. It's like you're driving on glass. You're right there in downtown heaven, and you are literally driving on, um, I think it's, it's pure gold. I think that's 24 karat gold. You're on 24 karat gold going down the street. And then he says, look at verse 22. I did not see a temple. There's no church. You won't see Broadway Baptist Church in heaven. You won't see the temple in Jerusalem in heaven. I did not see a temple in it because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. By the way, the Lamb, that is Jesus. They don't, they're the temple. We worship directly the Lord. We don't need to go to a building. We just look at the Lord and worship Him. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it. And its lamp is the Lamb. So there's no sun or moon. God provides the light Himself. He illuminates the city. The nations will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. So apparently, uh, kings who, were, who knew the Lord, they will be there as well. This tells us, if we know that there are going to be nations and kings, that means that it's going to be recognizable. Uh, let's just say George Washington, say he was a Christian. Only God knows his heart. He was, uh, I believe, an Episcopalian in England, so he a born-again believer. So George Washington's in heaven, we'll go there and we will recognize him. So that, and you will see people of other nationalities. Maybe someone who from Asia, you'll be able to look at them and go, they're different, maybe they're from Asia. So you will see the nations and kings will be there. They will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who's written in the Lamb's book of life. Only the people in heaven are written in the book of life. So this book will be there. and You will have your name written in it. And that means you belong there. It's like a VIP list of everyone who's trusted Christ as their Savior. Look at chapter 22. We're going to read five final verses on heaven. Listen, then this will conclude our three-week sermon series on heaven right there. Then He showed me the river. Now, this is a return to the Garden of Eden. The water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It doesn't come from a mountain. This river comes from God. God provides crystal clear water. Down the middle of the city street. Look at this. Verse 2. Don't miss this, church. The tree of life that hasn't been talked about until Genesis 3. It just reappeared. The tree of life was on each side of the river. So there was this river that is going right down the middle of heaven. I guess right next to that 24 karat gold street. And on this river, the tree of life, it was really unusual, it's, it grows in the middle of it. So it's sitting on both sides. It's like it came up on both sides of the river and met in the middle and then shot up. So underneath the tree of life is this river. The river splits the tree. 
And it goes on to say there, look at this. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. So we know there's going to be time in heaven. There's months that are there. You can eat because you're going to see the fruit that's going to be there. Look at this. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations. Don't miss that little phrase, healing the nations. Does our nation need healing right now? Absolutely. The tree of life. Who is the tree? The tree of life is Jesus. He says he, He's the one who heals the nations. He's the one that unifies our, our countries. Not just our country, all the countries. If country, country wants to experience revival and see great things happen for its citizens, it needs to turn to the Lord who provides even leaves to heal people. So you can see a leaf and it heals you. It not just heals you, it heals your entire nation. This tree. And look at this, verse 3. And there will no longer be any curse. That's sin. There's no more sin. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. So right in the middle of the city, God's throne sits right there. And you go and worship the Lord. Right there. There's no darkness. God provides all the light. If, if you get hurt, you just go get a leaf from the tree of life and you're healed. If you're thirsty, water flows out from the Lord and this river that flows right there. And then if you're hungry, each month you get some new types of fruit. Twelve different types of fruits are growing on the tree and you can eat the different fruit. This is the same tree. So this is what it looked like in the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve lost. This is the restoration. This is the new Jerusalem that you and I as believers, folks, we will see this. This has come for us. We need to be picturing this tree. It's a tree that divides the river. It comes down, it's on each side of the river, and it has 12 different types of truth, uh, fruit, and the leaves bring healing to it for all the nations, which that means all the peoples. Get this, last couple of verses. Verse 4 and 5, we're going to conclude. They will see His face. Whose face is that? That's the face of Jesus they will see His face. And His name will be on their foreheads. Do you know why it says that? Because the devil also, back in Revelation chapter 13, one of the things that the Antichrist and the false prophet's going to do is going to give people who worship the devil, the beast, a marking on his forehead. So that way, if we ever live, if, I, if I'm not here and you, one day someone comes up to you and says, do you want to take a mark on your right hand on your forehead? to buy and sell and to bow down and worship the beast, you want to say, no, you don't want to take that mark. God in heaven will give you a mark on your forehead. And that mark's going to say, Jesus, that's the name of, of the Lord on you. That means you are, you are branded for the Lord. He knows His people. Night will be no more. People will not need the light. Of, the, of a lamp or the light of a sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. In many ways, that, that is, in many ways, that's uh, somewhat, that's the end of information about the heaven and the Bible because the next part, the last few verses of the Bible is a call to repentance. 
He says, listen, the time is near. Jesus is coming. You need to get saved. That's how the Bible just ended right there. The last information that Bible gives us about heaven is verse 5. There's no, there's no need for light because God's light. There's no need for sun because God provides the sun. And you will be with the Lord and you will reign with Him forever. That is in many ways how the Bible ends. That is an encouraging word. This is what heaven will be like. We cannot overestimate this. You cannot overestimate. We can't even comprehend this. This is not a boring place. This is not us just floating around as ghosts playing harps. This is a place created by God, with God, who has ultimate authority over anything, can meet any type of need. And what happens, we have to remember when we see this, when we experience death, if you know of someone who has died, death is an interruption. It's not the end. The end for us is actually living in the presence of God described in Revelation 22.5 forever. You are with the Lord in the new Jerusalem that hasn't even been created yet. Remember chapter 21 verse 2 says it's going to come down. It's like a, it's a bride being presented to her husband. And it's coming soon. And this is we as believers, we look forward and we long for this. So when we see this message here on heaven... This should remind us that if someone's not saved, a lost person will never see any of this. None of this. Only people who've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus will get to see any of this stuff, including the tree of life that we just read about in our Bibles. So I ask you, we talk about heaven very casually, Heaven is a place for saved people who've been redeemed. If you and I know someone, this really comes back to us. What's, what's our ultimate purpose? And that's to tell people about the Lord. We have no other purpose. Money doesn't get you into heaven. Living a good life, voting, being a good citizen, none of the, all of those things might be good, but they don't, do not get you into heaven whatsoever. It is solely through Jesus Christ that we get to heaven. God's redemptive plan that had to be started all the way back in the book of Genesis so Adam and Eve, because what they messed up in the garden, can be restored right here. You and I want to be a part of God's redemptive plan. And we want to go to heaven, and that is only through Jesus Christ, His Son. So you think about, you, this, if you're saved, this is for you. If you have family members, you have a grandson, you have a wife, uh, a great-granddaughter and they're not saved, you need to show them this Scripture. Read to them Revelation 21.8. These people who are faithless, who do not know the Lord, they will be out of it. They will be at the same place described as the lake of fire that was actually created for the devil. Heaven motivates us and helps us yearn to live for the Lord. God, I pray for all the people here this morning. Lord, I pray that we will have a biblical view of heaven. Lord, I just want us to take these words and saturate it in our soul. Help us realize this is going to be our home with you. There won't be churches. 
There won't be uh, any pain. There won't be any, any tears. There won't be any sadness there. Lord, it will be about You. You will heal and restore everything. And Lord, I pray this morning as we have looked at uh, phenomenal Bible verses that teach us about the tree of life and what it can do, how it can heal, how it can provide all the food, anything we need, eternal life. Lord, I pray we will experience that through Your Son, Jesus. He is our tree of life. He died on the tree, on the cross, so we can be saved. God, I pray this morning, there might be some non, non-believers here, and they never need to walk out of a sanctuary, a service such as this, not knowing You. Lord, we pray this invitation is our time to walk this aisle and say, I want to get saved. And Lord, we give You this time as we respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. We're going to have our invitation to respond to Jesus. You need to get saved this morning. If you want to go to heaven, you come walk this aisle and say, Pastor, I want to get saved. I want to make sure I'm seeing the tree of life. I want to be at the place described in Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22. David is going to lead us in our song. We're going to sing the great, great hymn, and it's the only way to heaven. And that's called Footsteps of Jesus. And, his, and hymn, num, hymn number 550 in our songbook. I'll be up here with our deacons. You respond to the gospel this morning.